0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, Now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Also, Homes.com Collaboration Tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. <laughs> and first pitch, rushing, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: Bo Bichette, you beast. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, September 2nd. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we've got a long weekend to recap. Big performances by Bo Bichette, Dylan Cease. We've got more prospect promotions little team name Tuesday for you later on in the show, and much more. But, Scotty, how was Labor Day weekend for you, buddy?
1: It was excellent. Nice. It was excellent. It got off to a good start with my, uh, my alma mater scoring a big win opening weekend against the, at the time, 11th-ranked Oregon Ducks. That's so why I got the t-shirt on, celebrating that win. Repping. Looking for back-to-back championships, Franklin. I think, uh, you know, 49-3 to win. It's pretty nice. Was Pretty nice way to begin defending the title.
0: I don't know if I should admit this because I do some football content as well, Scott, but I don't watch any college football. I just, there's so many teams, there's so many players, there's so many conferences and during the NFL season, it's I need that one day of a break, and that's Saturday for me. So, it's, I need a break from and, football one day, and I just can't. I can't do it, man. So, I uh, that's fine with me.
1: Where did you go to college?
0: I went to Saint Francis College. So, not nearly as okay. big as uh, Georgia University or University of Georgia. How do you say it?
1: University of Georgia.
0: Yeah, not nearly as yeah. big. It's a small little school downtown Brooklyn. If you pass it on the street, you might think it's like a high school or something. It's, it's pretty small school. But anyway, no one cares about my, where I went to college. Let's get into the weekend. Right? I, oh my good, I, goodness gracious. If
1: do you actually I care, care. Everybody cares.
0: All right, fair enough. The Saint Francis Terriers.
1: <laughs> I don't know how that works. But.
0: Actually, Scott, both of our mascots are dogs. I'm a terrier. Huh. You're a bulldog. How about that?
1: Mm. Let's do it. Terriers. Yeah. Very fierce. That's scarier. Terriers.
0: All right, Scott. Oh my, um, oh, my goodness gracious from the weekend. Uh, I'll let you kick us off here.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's start out with a, the grand return of a guy we know well, Jack Flaherty, of the Cardinals. His second return from a shoulder injury this season happened here on Monday. It went much better than the first. Remember, he, he did come back, I think it was at some point in June and made three ugly starts. Went right back on the I.L. for a couple more months. And, uh, you know, the, the, the rehab assignment building up to this Monday return, he, he looked strong in that. So I'm not going to say it's a huge surprise. Also, he was facing the Nationals. So easy way to welcome him back. Jack Flaherty allowed just one earned run in five innings, struck out six, walked one, 14 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. Good whiff, right? But the most impressive thing about this start for Jack Flaherty, fastball was up nearly two miles per hour from when we saw him earlier this year. On average, two miles per hour. And uh, he looked more like the Jack Flaherty we remember. So, you know, he has a second start coming up this week. If you weren't willing to chance it for two favorable matchups straight off the IL, I, I understand. The temptation because, because it was two starts and because the matchups were so good, uh you know, it, it was something I was recommending. And, you know, so far so good. Yeah, I, I would say uh I would say if you're in a daily lineup league, you you'll probably want to get him active for the next start.
0: Because it's against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Right. Uh I'm not sure that the matchup would matter. Anyway, but obviously the Pirates, you want to get Jack Flaherty back in there. He looked really good, Scott. I watched some of the start. He reminded me of the Jack Flaherty of old, the velocity being up. As you mentioned, he averaged 94 miles per hour on the fastball in this one. That's the same amount that he averaged back in 2020, the shortened season. And it's a little bit below what he averaged back in 2019 when he had that ridiculous second half. I think he averaged 94.3 miles per hour then. So close enough. We'll take that. You know, and for those who drafted or or just picked Jack Flaherty back up, he could be a big uh, big addition here down the stretch. So get him back in your lineups if you haven't already, Scott. I'm going to take the low hanging fruit here. Not really much actionable, but gives us an opportunity to talk about Bo Bichette. We haven't talked about him much because, frankly, he's been a letdown uh, based on where he was drafted. He was you know a mid to late first round pick, but he did have a triple dong here on Monday. Three home runs in one game. He had a double header. But he still hit all three of the home runs in, I believe, the second game of the doubleheader. So it's not like he even needed both games. He only needed one. Uh, that brings him to 21 home runs for the season. Just trying to figure out, Scott, what went wrong this year for Bo Bichette? You know, everything that I look at, it's a little bit of things just around the margins. But it's things that just kind of like add up a bunch of different little things. And it's that's how we get ourselves to... You know, this middling batting average, a bunch of caught stealing this season, power down a little bit. But what do you think? What went wrong with Bo, Bo this season?
1: Well, I took it... I, I took his decline partly as a product of the new environment, the new, the deadened the ball, the widespread humidor use, which seemed to drag down power numbers even more, particularly in the, the colder points in the season the less humid points of the season and uh i I think Bo bichette like so many other middle infielders was partly a victim of that i think he was i i think his value uh is him him returning first round value was kind of a tightrope walk to begin with because remember he had the lowest ops among hitters we were taking in the first round, his 2021 OPS I'm talking about coming into the season was the lowest clearly among the first round bats. Uh, and so he needed to remain a prolific base dealer, I thought, to return first round value. You know, I wasn't expecting him to decline to being, well, he just now got his batting average uh, up over 270, right? So I wasn't c- counting on that. I thought the steals could go away and they largely have the power. You know, the power is going to, it helps hitting three home runs at once like this, but the power pace doesn't appear so far off now. One thing I did notice about Bo Bichette, and I thought this was interesting, since August 1st, his average exit velocity, okay, let me say say it the other way. Prior to August 1st, Bo Bichette's average exit velocity was 91.1 miles per hour, which is good. It's it's really good. It's he it was ninety-one point four last year, so it's about the same as that. But since August first, it's jumped to ninety-three point eight mm. miles per hour, which is it doesn't get much better than that. And so now for the for the season, his average exit velocity is a career high, his hard hit rate is a career high, and yet his expected stats don't look that different from the actual ones. So that's that's a difficult square to circle. I don't think that's how you say that. <laughs> uh, it's hard to reconcile that. Let's just put it that way. And um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm hoping this the way he's hammered the ball recently is going to lead to this surge in production toward the end of the season so that we can still treat him like an elite shortstop heading into next year. But if that doesn't happen... And, you know, he finishes with like 10 to 12 stolen bases. I don't know. He's going to be, he's going to be somebody I might hesitate to draft. I don't know. Where would you imagine him going at that point? Round five in a Roto League? Round four, maybe? He's still going to go high, I think.
0: I mean, just based on his name value, team that he plays for, the prospect pedigree. We've seen him do it before. He'll go, he'll go before round five, probably like round three. Three or four, probably three in a Roto League, four in a points league. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'd be doing it at that point because I, I don't, he doesn't look like an obvious, I guess to sum up what I'm saying, I know it was kind of all over the place. <laughs> Bo Bichette doesn't look like an obvious underachiever to me this year. Like I, I, I think coming into the year, you could see him this being a potential outcome for him and, and certainly the underlying stats reflect what he's doing too, except for the fact that, you know, the exit velocity itself is so high.
0: Oddly enough, Scott, his splits against lefties this year, something that really stands out. He's hitting just 235 with a 772 OPS against left-handed pitching. Last year, that was 340 batting average, 950 OPS. That's a huge disparity. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a reason for it. I haven't read anything about that, but it just seems like something that's pretty odd this year for Bo Bichette. He also strikes me as one of these hitters who would be affected by the environment. He's got like a Nick Cassianos, a Freddie Freeman type. You look at Bo Bichette, he's not your typical slugger, I guess I would say. And as a result, I could see him being affected by the uh, by the decline in, in power. Yeah, in I mean,
1: the only weird thing, I keep harping on it, is 90, 91st percentile average exit velocity, yeah. 93rd percentile hard hit rate. It's true. And yet... You know, 267 expected batting average, 433 expected slugs. So I, I don't know if he, I don't know exactly what it is. I'd have to dig deeper than I have time to do at the moment. But yeah, it's, it's that, that's the one thing that gives me pause when just lumping Bo Bichette in with, um, with some of these other middle infielders who've seen their power production decline. Biggest, and again, he's at 20, 21 home runs now. So the yeah. power production isn't the main thing that has declined with him.
0: Yeah. I mean, if all goes well, I mean, he's, he'll probably still wind up with 27 ish, you know, like upper 20s in home runs. I mean, maybe if he really goes off, he can get to 30. I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, I don't think um, so. We're,
1: yeah. we're in the last month here. That would be, it would take, a, it would take an incredible finish for that to happen.
0: The biggest pitching performance of the weekend, Scott, goes to Dylan Cease, who came within one out of a no-hitter up against the Minnesota Twins, and he finishes with a one-hit shutout, two walks, seven strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 103 pitches here, and he drops the ERA to 2.13, 1.08 whip. Uh, Underlying numbers all pretty much line up with what Dylan Cease is doing. He's got 197 strikeouts now on the season with a 15.8% swinging strike rate. Scott, let's just say the season ended today. Who do you think he would rank higher for next season? Dylan Cease or Spencer Strider?
1: I think I would have to rank Cease higher. I think so, too,
0: just because he's done it one extra season. But mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty yeah. similar pitchers. The control's a well, little bit better for Strider, but you, just like fastball slider pitchers, they're pretty similar. Yeah. They have great mustaches, too.
1: I mean, the upside for cease is incredible, so I hesitate to say this. i I feel like the upside for Strider is higher between the two, but the main thing for me that will separate them is cease being uh, further along in the the year to year innings buildup. like yeah. he's he's proven he can go. he's proven he can take on more of a workload than Strider has yet to prove he can take on.
0: All right, yeah, that's uh, fair enough for me. We will have a lot of time this offseason to talk about rankings debates and Dylan Cease, of course. But let's stick with pitching, Scott. We'll go into uh, some waiver-wire pitchers. Part one, these are names rostered between 60 and 75% of CBS League, so more so in shallower formats. We had Ross Stripling at the Pirates this weekend. He went six innings, three runs allowed with eight strikeouts in that one. He lowers the ERA. Uh, Rather, I guess his ERA would have jumped to 3.03, it's still a very good ERA. Uh, Alex yeah. Cobb was awesome up against the Phillies. He went seven shutout with seven strikeouts. Marcus Stroman must have heard me talking smack about him recently because he's been very good over his last two starts. He was at the Cardinals. He went seven shutout with five strikeouts. And then Nick Lodolo, another strong start. He went six shutout with nine strikeouts against the Colorado Rockies. How do you rank those four, Scotty? Stripling, Cobb, Stroman, Lodolo.
1: Well, we're at a point in the season. I, I think I think September is the appropriate time to do this. I know people have wanted to do it even earlier than that. And and what the it is that I'm referring to is looking ahead at a pitcher's remaining matchups. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Looking too far ahead is a fool's errand because rotation alignments change all the time. I, I mean, they next week something could happen that that throws all the the matchups off, but uh, I, I do think in September, you know, when you're just talking about three weeks left, what are we? We just started week 23, so we have three more lineup blocks after this week. Uh, I, I think it's okay to start doing that and basing your waiver wire decisions on that. And of these four pitchers, the ones, the the one whose remaining matchups I think uh, are the most impressive is Nick Lodolo. And Lodolo himself has been impressive. Apart from this start against the Rockies, of course that's a favorable matchup. Uh, It got his ERA below four for the first time this year. And not only that, but let's see if I can find the stat real quick. So in his past eight starts, Nick Lodolo has a 289 ERA, 114 whip. 10.2K per nine. I mean, that's clearly clearly the kind of numbers you're looking at. His remaining matchups are, so he gets Milwaukee twice. Team That's fighting for a playoff spot, but they're especially bad against left-handed pitchers. He also gets the Pirates. He also gets the Cubs. Mm. And his toughest matchup remaining on the schedule is probably the Red Sox, but that's not even saying that much. So I think Nick is my favorite just based on that. Uh, Alex Cobb I all things being equal he would be my favorite because he's been basically since returning from the IEL he's been exactly what we hoped he'd be at the start of the year and, and lived up to his expected stats and, and all of that but his matchups are especially tough. He, his next three are Dodgers twice and Braves so uh, Dodgers, Braves, Dodgers to be more exact and yeah yeah it's it's pretty tough for cobb so he'll still be second on this list for me because i think he's good but those matchups are tough and then stripling and stroman to round out the list
0: all right would you drop reed detmers for any of those names scott i know he's slowed down here a little bit over his last three starts he has a 5.14 era i believe two of those have been against the astros so obviously some tougher matchups what do you think about detmers would you uh drop him for lodolo
1: I would do that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't drop him for any of these four, and I haven't looked ahead at his matchups. It it, it hurts that he only starts every sixth. He only takes every sixth turn, while most of these guys are taking every fifth turn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, he has been pretty shaky lately. The slider still looks good. It's still the the velocity's still up on it. He's still throwing it a lot. It's still getting whiffs. So I could see Reed Detmers turning it around, but I think I would take both. Nick Lodolo and Alex Cobb over him.
0: So Detmer's last three starts have been against the Astros, the Blue Jays, and the Tigers. And I remember when he faced against faced up against the Tigers, a lot of people were upset that he uh, yeah. did not come through. But his start this week is actually at the Houston Astros once again. So it's it's a pretty rough go for Detmer's. Like personally, I I probably would not want to play him there. So uh, I get it, and I would take Lodolo over him as well. Waiver wire pitchers part two. Scott, these are rostered between 35 and 60% of CBS leagues. Domingo Herman put together another solid start. He went six and two thirds, three runs allowed. Two of those were earned. Only one strikeout, though. His ERA is now 3.12. Herman Marquez was at the Reds. He went seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts in that one. Over his last 10 starts, he's got a 3.39 ERA. Rowanzi Contreras was up against the Blue Jays. He went six innings, one run, five strikeouts. And he has been very good since returning. He's made four starts. He's got a 2.63 ERA with a swinging strike rate over 14%. And Dean Kramer was up against the A's. He went six innings of two run balls, six strikeouts. And he also has a 2.37 ERA over his last six. Scotty, how
1: do you rank these four? Or do you know any of their upcoming
0: matchups? Because I, I, I don't. I don't.
1: No, no I don't. Uh, I happen to write about I know the ones that I was looking up for my waiver wire column gotcha. that I wrote Sunday night. So if if I wasn't considering the pitcher for that, then I didn't look up the matchups remaining. So not knowing that, um, I will rank these four. I'll, I'll say Herman Marquez, Dean Kramer, Ruanzi Contreras, Domingo Herman. We got both of the Hermans in there. So the Rockies won first, the Yankees won last. Dean Kramer, Ruanzi, Contreras in the middle. Contreras is looking good, but of course he pitches for the Pirates, and that's that's difficult to overcome. I mean, the win is a valuable stat in fantasy.
0: Yeah, that is true. Uh, Herman Marquez, obviously, I mean, he has his hurdles pitching in Coors Field. You don't really ever know when to start him. He's going up mm-hmm. against the Diamondbacks this week uh, in Colorado, so obviously don't really love that too much. I know Domingo Herman's going up against... The Twins, I feel like people picked him up for a two-start week recently, and they just didn't drop him because I guess he pitched well. But, yeah, the underlying number is not looking too good for Domingo Herman. Rowanzi Contreras has the Cardinals this week, and Dean Kramer has the Blue Jays. So, honestly... Where is he
1: facing the Blue Jays?
0: uh, In Camden, in uh, Baltimore.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, I... That might go okay. Look, I mean, none of these four is like a must-start pitcher if you pick them up. They're right. they're all, they're all just round out your roster kind of guys, and you would certainly want to play the match. Even with the top two I have here, Marquez and Kramer, you'd you'd want to play the matchups. But uh, Kramer's a flyball pitcher, so Camden Yards should serve him well.
0: Mm-hmm. In deeper leagues, I've got four more names here: Jose Suarez, a really great start here on Monday up against the Tigers who. You know, frankly, everyone has a great start against them. He went uh, seven shutout with seven strikeouts, and he now has a 1.76 ERA over his last seven. JP Sears was at the Orioles, and he went six innings of two-run ball with five strikeouts. Brian Bayo has looked better since returning. He was up against the Rangers. He went six shutout with five strikeouts in that one. And then Adrian Martinez, who pitches for the Oakland A's, he was at the Orioles, and he went six shutout with four strikeouts. His minor league numbers this season were very bad. He did pitch in the PCL, so worth mentioning. Uh, if you look at what he's done in A and below, the numbers are a lot better in the minors. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Uh, the name is Adrian Martinez. Uh, Scott, anything on these four in deeper leagues? Martinez, Bayo, J.P. Sears, Jose Suarez.
1: Well, Bayo does seem to be trending the right way, and he clearly has the most upside of this group. So that's nice to see. I'm not at a point where I trust using him in fantasy. Suarez, I mean, this is a great outing for Suarez. We've we've been hyping up the slider specifically for Suarez. Uh, you know, excited when he throws it more. All of that. So against the Tigers here, the slider was responsible for only two of Suarez's fifteen swinging strikes. He got six on the fast or seven on the fastball and six on the changeup actually and. I took another look at it. The changeup actually has a higher whiff rate overall than the slider. They both have a good whiff rate, so that's I think that's another point in Suarez's favor. If you can have two pitches with better than a thirty percent whiff rate, you know it's not as good as a forty percent whiff rate, like like uh, some pitchers' best pitches. But it's still uh, you can still do a lot of damage with that. And went seven innings for the second time. Was against the Tigers, of course, and the other time he went seven innings, it was against the A's. So I still don't know that Jose Suarez is like a must-roster pitcher, but he is he is making the case, I think, to be a late round pick in in standard twelve team drafts next year. If he can finish strong, if he can keep this up for his remaining five, six starts, could be uh I guess just five starts. If he can keep it up for his remaining five starts, Jose Suarez could be in the discussion for a draft pick next year.
0: All right, let's wrap up our pitching conversation with some prospects, Scotty. Hunter Brown made his debut here on Monday, and it was a good one. He was up against the Rangers. He went six shutout with five strikeouts, and we also had Ryan Nelson make his debut on Monday for the Diamondbacks. He was going up against the Padres. He went seven shutout with seven strikeouts in that one. And then Cody Morris is a prospect with the Guardians. He made his debut on Friday, filling in for Zach Plesak, who went to the IL because he punched the mound after giving up a home run, and he broke his hand, which is the most Zach Plesak thing that you could do. I mean, last year he broke his hand, like taking his shirt off furiously, and now he breaks his hand punching the mound. So good job, Zach. Please, Zach. Uh, Scott, Man. anything yeah. on, I mean, I, I imagine there is something on, on these three pitchers, but are are any of them must-ads? What do you think? Hunter Brown, Ryan Nelson, and Cody Morris.
1: I don't think any of them are must-ads. Hunter Brown would be, but I still think it's unlikely he sticks in the rotation to to finish out the season. He got this first start. Astros at some point Justin Verlander is going to be back. Even with Justin Verlander out, they're going six man right now, right? To have Hunter Brown in there. Mm-hmm. And his most likely role in in on the postseason roster would be in relief. So I I imagine they'll want to try him out there sooner than later. But this was an impressive start. I mean, Hunter Brown, like, if Hunter Brown throws strikes like he did in this start, uh, walking just one in six innings and throwing Seventy one percent of his pitches for strikes. He's got a really bright future because the stuff is that like there's there's not much bad to say about the stuff. Uh, The fastball itself can it it pushes triple digits. Um, It's got a good spin rate. It's 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 one of those fastballs that's capable of collecting whiffs on its own. And uh, you know, Hunter Brown is kind of like Ryan Pepio, one of those high upside prospects that may never get to that upside because the control's so bad but it, clearly it was fine in this start and that was encouraging to see so I think he's the most exciting of the three Ryan Nelson was at least baseball America had him as a top 100 prospect coming into the year but he was pretty bad in the minors this season he had an ERA over five uh, and I wanted to double check this because I, I happened to read just before we went on that Ryan Nelson made a mechanical adjustment at the end of May, that made things better. But even even from June, for even from the start of June, his his ERA at, at uh, AAA was 4.67. Mm. You
0: know,
1: with well less than a strikeout per inning. So I, I'm surprised his major league debut went this well. Seven shutout innings at San Diego, seven strikeouts, no walks. Uh, but I need to see a lot more. He was good last year. I mean, between high A and double A, 317 ERA, 109 whip, 12.6 K per nine. So, I I mean, I'm not saying Ryan Nelson is not a prospect, but he's a prospect with a lot more to prove, I think, than somebody like Hunter Brown.
0: Mm -hmm. A former second-round pick is Ryan Nelson, and his next start is up against the Dodgers. So, obviously, that's pretty scary. I don't think you're going to want to use him there. Uh, Hunter Brown just wanted to add... The pitch mix reminds me a lot of Tristan McKenzie, where he's got this power fastball, and he also has two breaking pitches with the curveball and the slider, and both of them look pretty good. I mean, the curve in particular, what I saw, 85 mile per hour, it's like a power curve with big break. It, it It's a pretty nasty pitch, so uh, he, he looks pretty legit. And... I agree, Scott. I just, I don't know that he'll make enough starts this year, but he's definitely a name to remember uh, for next season and moving forward in Dynasty. The name there, Hunter Brown. Let's take a look at some waiver wire hitters from the weekend. We'll start off with two catchers, Scotty. Cal Raleigh had three homers this weekend, a double dong on, I believe it was Friday. He hit another home run on Sunday. He's now up to 22 home runs, which leads all catchers. That is Cal Raleigh. He's 42% rostered. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, Returned recently, he went two for four. I believe he hit a home run either on Friday or Saturday. He's fifty-five percent rostered. Uh, Scott, if you were streaming catcher in a one-catcher league, you know that that back end of the top twelve. Who do you prefer between these two, Cal Raleigh, Yasmani Grandal?
1: I would say in a points league, Grandal; in a categories league, Raleigh. Because I mean, Raleigh's just a one-no player with the home runs. He's he's this year's Mike Zunino. Mm -hmm. I think Mike Zunino finished second among home runs and catchers. Obviously, Salvador Perez was first. Yep. A distant first, but (laughs) Zunino hit a lot of home runs, and that's all Raleigh's doing, too. Grandal has always been a better player in points leagues, but I think in the latter stages of his career here, that's going to be even more the case.
0: Mm -hmm. And you might have needed a catcher with the injury to Wilson Contreras. I know... You know, I'm dealing with that injury in a few spots, so I picked up Grandal in a points league this weekend. I In a two-catcher league where I have Contreras, I had to pick up uh, Yadier Molina, so that, that felt pretty terrible, but I know the Cardinals have good matchups this week, so uh, we'll see if he can do anything. Some shallow league outfielders, Scotty. Uh, Jock Peterson went uh, two for two with his 21st home run this weekend. He added five RBI in that game. His last 20 games... He's batting 382 with four homers, 17 RBI. He is crushing the ball again. 94.4 mile per hour average exit velocity during this time. The problem, he doesn't play against left-handed pitching, and there's a whole bunch of lefties on the schedule this week. And the other name is Marcel Ozuna. Anything here? Because he's now played three straight. Uh, He started three straight once again, and he hit his 21st home run this weekend. He's down to 61% rostered. What do you think about Jock and Ozuna?
1: Well, I don't think the Braves are releasing Ozuna anytime soon. You know, he 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 started that first game back from the arrest for suspicion of DUI um and then he didn't play again until this weekend. So like he he sat on the bench for almost 2 weeks, right? Yeah. And I I wasn't sure what that meant, but they're they're beginning to integrate him again. The thing is Ozzie Albies is nearing a return. He's on a rehab assignment now. And I saw a video of Vaughn Grissom getting some outfield work. So I don't know that the playing time is going to remain there for Ozuna. Jock Peterson, like, fine as a hot hand play. I mean, there, there, aren't, there aren't many hitters I can confidently say are, are uh, streaky like I can for Jock Peterson like that that's been his MO throughout his career remember he was he was one of the few hitters who was hitting in april he looked like yeah. a world beater and then uh predictably trailed off after that and even though he doesn't start against left-handed pitchers like the giants are aggressive about bringing guys off the bench as as relievers come in like i remember we saw this with Darren Ruff too like he would he would seem to get a couple of bats every game, even when he didn't start. And I think that's going to hold true for Jock Peterson, too.
0: All right, let's uh, take a look at some deeper league outfielders. Scotty, we've got TJ Friedel had a double dong over the weekend. He is batting 275 with five home runs and six steals in 46 games so far with the Cincinnati Reds this season. That is a 16 homer, 19 steal pace over 150. So it's... Not nothing. It's kind of interesting. Seth Brown went three for four with a double dong. He is batting .227 with 19 home runs and eight steals. Uh, Michael A. Taylor over his last eight games, he's pretty hot. He went. um, He's batting .382 during that time. Three homers, one steal, and then Lane Thomas went three for four with his 15th home run. Uh, I believe that was Saturday. And post All Star break, he's hitting .295, six home runs, four steals. We mentioned him recently. He's playing really well. That is uh, Lane Thomas. He's 18% rostered. What do you think about these outfielders in, let's say, five outfielder leagues? Friedel, Brown, Michael A. Taylor, and Lane Thomas.
1: Yuck, is what I think. <laughs> I don't I don't have great feelings for any of these guys. I mean, Friedel, I've, I don't see it for Friedel. I know he's been hot. And there's something to be said for just playing the hot hand, particularly this time of year. But, he, you know, 26-year-old rookie, uh, who even the minor league numbers there nothing really stands out he's kind of okay at every he was kind of okay at everything in the minors and and you know it's not like he's hitting the ball all that hard for as much success as he's had so far in the majors so i, I don't know that it's going to last long for tj Friedel. lane thomas i mean we've been down this road with him before but i guess i, I guess you know he's been hot enough for long enough that he would probably be the first I look at here. Seth Brown will make a splash with home runs every now and then, but it, when when it's when it's not going well, it's going very, very poorly for him. His <laughs> prior to this two homer game on Sunday, Seth Brown had hit one fifty nine with no home runs over his previous twenty five Wow, that is terrible. So
0: <laughs> probably don't want Seth Brown. and of course, He does play for the Oakland A's, so that's uh, pretty bad as well. Some deep league middle infielders, Scotty. Spencer Steer, the Reds prospect who we spoke about on Friday's podcast. He went two for two with two walks and hit his first home run on Friday. So it was a nice little debut for him. And then he went 0 for 7 across the doubleheader on Sunday. He's 11% rostered. Luis Garcia with the Nationals went four for five with his sixth home run. And in nine games since returning, he's batting 325, two homers, one steal. And then Elvis Andrus, I know it's gross, but he went two for four on Monday with his 11th homer. He's playing well. I mean, 16 games with the White Sox, he's batting 303, three homers, one steal, and he's let off in six straight. So what do you think about these middle infielders, Scotty? Spencer Steer, Luis Garcia, Elvis Andrus.
1: I'm most likely to roll the dice on the mystery bag with Spencer Steer. I mean, he had the Best debut of any of the prospect call-ups, right? Uh, his two hits on Friday were a double and a home run, the home run to straightaway center, also walked twice. And he is going to start almost every game. He, he's already played, uh, I think, th- three different infield spots, third base. He started at third base and first base. I think he, maybe he made an appearance at second too. He's certainly capable of doing that. Can play all over the infield and the Reds infield is depleted enough that there's no reason they wouldn't try him out. You know, he's, he's clearly not a high as high end of a prospect as a Gunnar Henderson or even like an Oswald Peraza, but he has hit for power in the minors the past couple years. And, uh, has a good opportunity in a little bitty ballpark so spencer steer i think is clearly the best to invest in of of these three
0: so he started his first game at third base and then he started his next two at first base but then moved over to third within the game so
1: okay so he hasn't appeared at second yet but i i suspect he will and maybe even shortstop before the year's done
0: all right and then we do have three corner infielders Scott nick prado went two for four with his seventh home run he uh over his last 10 games is hitting 286 with four home runs, 11 RBI. Albert Pujols hit his 695th home run of his career on Sunday, and he remains hot. Tristan Casas was also called up. He is a first-base prospect with the Boston Red Sox, and he has gone one for eight over his first two games played. This season in the minors, he was hitting 281 with 12 homers and 889 OPS, a bunch of doubles. So even if he's not hitting for home run power, I think the doubles could be there for those in points leagues. He is 38% rostered. How do you rank those three Casas Prado pools?
1: I love Tristan Casas just as a prospect. Uh, I've loved him the past couple years. I, I see similarities to guys like Freddie Freeman, even Joey Votto a bit, good plate discipline, a uh, guy who's willing to choke up at times. Like we've seen from Votto over the years when the situation calls for it, just a really good hitting instincts. And a great power projection too that he hasn't totally lived up to yet but you definitely see him growing into it and he's going to play a ton. So over his he missed a lot of this year with an ankle injury and and so that kept his his triple a totals down but over his final 19 games there Tristan Casas hit 352 with three home runs and as many walks as strikeouts and uh Alex Cora, Red Sox manager, said we're going to use him the right way. He's going to play almost every day. He did an outstanding job the last few weeks. And, uh, yeah, so he's going to play a ton. And that's, I think that's that counts for as much as anything. So Tristan Casas, is my favorite of these three, followed by, I'll take Pujols over Prado. He's just, he's just, the playing time is is inconsistent, but, it's consistent enough, and he seems to be a man on a mission right now to get to 700 home runs before the year's done. Oh, yes. So he would be my second choice, though. I think you can leave Pujols for for the big Roto lineup leagues, I think, and and avoid him in a more, uh, a more uh, head-to-head style lineup with only nine, ten hitters started. We did and then get- Prado would be third. He just strikes out too much.
0: Yeah, we did get this question on YouTube, Scotty, and I think I know the answer, but... In Dynasty, would you rather have Prado or Casas? Casas. Yeah, Eh, that's what I figured too. Uh, All right, let's uh, hit a quick break. And when we return, we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. Uh, from the IL when first eligible on September 13th, but he should be back shortly after that. So some good news there on JV. Max Scherzer was removed from Saturday's start with fatigue in his left side. Buckshaw Walter downplayed the injury with the hope that Scherzer makes his next start as scheduled. He did deal with an oblique injury earlier on in the season, so it's pretty worrisome, Uh, but hopefully they were just being overly cautious. Uh, I haven't seen it confirmed that he will make his next start, but that's the plan, hopefully. Shane McClanahan played catch from 75 feet on Sunday. He went on the IL last week with a shoulder impingement. Manager Kevin Cash reiterated that he expects McClanahan to, quote, be back soon. Okay. Zach Wheeler will not return Tuesday as hoped. He is on the IL with forearm inflammation, which means that Bailey Falter should get another start against the Marlins this week. So, Yep.
1: He was added to my 10 sleeper pitchers for this upcoming scoring period. Too late for you to do anything about it now. But yeah. hopefully you check that on Sunday afternoon when I updated them.
0: Yes, that's why you need to stay glued to Scotty's yeah. sleeper yeah. hitters. It's, not, and it's hitters.
1: not all happening here, you know, on the on the podcast. I, I do a lot of other stuff.
0: That's right. CBSSports.com slash fantasy slash baseball to support all of uh, Scott's written content. Freddy Peralta was scratched from his start on Monday, though he's not dealing with any reported physical issue. Adrian Hauser started in his place. That game was in Coors Field, so... Maybe it was for the best that Freddie Peralta did not make that start. Ryan Presley is on track to be activated from the IL when first eligible on Tuesday. Giancarlo Stanton was removed Monday due to a foot slash ankle injury. He missed a decent amount of time previously with an Achilles injury. And he's been really bad, Scott. Someone asked me on Monday if they can drop Giancarlo Stanton in a shallower league. And it's risky because I know when he gets hot, you know, he's someone that can carry you, but I think in a shallower league, you probably could drop stain. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Three outfielder league, 12 teams or fewer. He's pretty dispensable at this point.
0: All right. Luis Robert was finally back in the lineup on Monday, and he missed time with a sore left wrist and then to see the birth of his child. So it was nice to see him back. And it sounds like Wander Franco will not be back for a while. Once again, he had to be removed from Monday's rehab game due to renewed soreness in his right hand, and he had hemate bone surgery back in July, and he's trying to work his way back, but he just keeps having these setbacks, Scott. And, you know, it's a pretty standard injury and surgery, and he's young enough where I don't think this will be a lingering issue, but it's just something that's in the back of my mind that... I hope this isn't something that kind of affects him in the long term.
1: Yeah, I hope not too. I hope they he gets a good thorough examination of that hand in the offseason and has a clean bill of health heading into next year. I mean, that's in all likelihood he will. You know, this the handmade bone injury can be difficult to come back from, even when players meet their timetable, a lot of times they don't have their power right away. We've seen that many times over the years from for, for that injury. So it, it it's likely he just he just needs a little more time to recover, and he's going to get plenty of time, of course, in the offseason.
0: Justin Steele will not start on Tuesday due to renewed back soreness. And Scott, I was going to mention that I saw the tweet of um, Vaughn Grissom working in the outfield, but you've already mentioned that, so... Should be some good news once Ozzie Albies returns. Hopefully, we can uh, keep Grissom in the lineup. Luis Severino tossed two scoreless innings in a rehab appearance at single A on Friday, and he will make his next start at double A on Wednesday. Brandon Lau fielded grounders, swung the bat, and took part in throwing drills on Sunday. He could be activated from the IL when first eligible Wednesday. Vinny Pasquantino began a rehab assignment at triple A on Saturday. He's been on the IL since August 23rd with right shoulder discomfort. And I did see him available in some deeper category leagues this weekend, Scott. So uh, I was trying to Mm. scoop uh, past Quantino up wherever he was dropped.
1: Deeper ones, huh? Because he's 71% rostered in in CBS. Or at least he was when I wrote waiver Wire uh, Sunday night.
0: In the NFBC, but, there's no IL spots. So uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of people just kind of assumed he was done for the season maybe. And yeah, I saw him available in
1: some of those leagues. Yeah, people are really quick to, try, I mean, I guess understandably when you don't have IL spots. Yeah. No, Vinny Pasquantino, I actually started him in basically every Roto League where I had him. Head-to-head, It was that's, that's riskier obviously. But I, I think he'll be back midweek and i think he'll be back to doing the same sort of things he was doing before going on the il shoulder injury i mean i guess you can't be certain but why would they risk bringing him back if they didn't think he was fully recovered yeah he was he was crushing it before going on the il his last let's see i got the numbers right here since i did write about him in waiver wire uh his last 17 games past hit 362 with five homers and a 1088 ops Striking out just five times in those seven ga- 17 games. Wow. And walking eight times.
0: Vinny P, baby.
1: Yep. Make it, if it's between him and Tristan Casas, give me Vinny P.
0: Yes, let's do it. Nesta Cortez is in line to start on Thursday against the Twins. Hunter Green will make a rehab start on Tuesday at AAA. He is on the I.L. with a shoulder injury and is 63% rostered. Scott, would you be looking to re-add Hunter Green if he was dropped?
1: If five, oh, sorry, <laughs> I was thinking Riley Green. Yeah, Hunter Green, the pitcher who's been hurt, that would more make more sense to talk about him in this section. And yes, I, I mean, look, there, there's always a broader application for pitchers than hitters, so it's it's easier to give a flat yes to a pitcher. I think. Uh, and and Hunter Green's one with a lot of upside. I don't think he's must add if, if your pitching staff is stacked. But if you're looking for help at that position, as so many are, yeah, sure. Give him give him another shot.
0: And you might be looking for pitching help if you had Sean Mania on your team, because he will mercifully have his next start skipped because he's going up against the Dodgers and they have absolutely crushed him all season long. He is still 83% rostered, and that should not be the case. So, if you're looking at a Nick Ladolo or a Hunter Green or really any of the shallower pitchers we mentioned earlier, honestly, probably just any pitcher, Scott. Like, Shamanai is so, he's been so bad for so long. I think I would drop him even, even for Jose
1: Suarez. What's weird about this start is his velocity was way up, way up. and And, you know, loss of velocity was. His best season, right, was last year, 2021, and it was it was uh, um, partially brought about by a, a velocity increase that we then yeah. saw go away at the start of this year. So I, I do think that's notable for Shamanaya. But yeah, the results were so bad. Granted, it was against the Dodgers, but still, ERA over five now for the year. Just don't see much reason to bother with Sean Benaya anymore either.
0: Tyler Glass now will begin a rehab assignment Wednesday at AAA and Harrison Bader is on track to begin a rehab assignment no later than September 13th. He's yet to appear in a game with the Yankees because of plantar fasciitis players who went to the IL this weekend. I mentioned Zach Plesac punched the mound because he gave up a home run. So he has a fractured right hand. Aaron Savali went to the IL with right forearm inflammation. Alex Wood with a shoulder impingement. Andrew Benintendi needs wrist surgery to repair his hamate bone. Jorge Polanco has left knee inflammation. Brandon Drury went to the seven-day concussion IL. Nick Castellanos is dealing with an oblique injury. Tyler Malley, once again, with right shoulder inflammation. And Cutter Crawford is dealing with a shoulder impingement of his own. Let's get into some standouts from the weekend. We'll start with, uh, we got some pictures here, Scotty. We'll just go by day and... Friday, we saw Alec Manoa at the Pirates. He went seven and a third shutout with six strikeouts. Jordan Montgomery just keeps going. He was up against the Cubs. He went six shutout with four strikeouts. Now has a 1.47 ERA in six starts with the Cardinals. And then Hugh Darvish was at the Dodgers. He had a great start. Seven shutout innings, nine strikeouts in that one. The ERA is now down to 3.26 for Hugh Darvish. Anything you'd like to add on him, Montgomery,
1: and Manoa? Not really. Montgomery has been better with the Cardinals. And we've talked about him changing his pitch mix some using the four-seam fastball more, uh, more than he did with the Yankees. But the swinging strike rate isn't, hasn't been as impressive with the Cardinals. The swinging strike rate on that fastball itself isn't that impressive for Montgomery. So it's, it's kind of weird to square that circle. That's the expression. Did I say that the first time?
0: <laughs> Something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it square that circle anyway obviously Jordan Montgomery needs to be rostered at this point but not not sure what to make of it entirely all right
0: on Saturday we had Corey Kluber throw seven shutout innings against the New York Yankees Robbie Ray was at the Guardians he went six shutout with three strikeouts and Shohei Otani was up against the Houston Astros. He went eight innings, one run allowed, five strikeouts in that one. His ERA is down to 2.58 for Otani. Scott, anything on those three? Otani, Robbie Ray, Corey Kluber?
1: Not really.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, not it really. Is what it I mean, Otani
1: yeah. and Ray have been continuing to do their thing. Yeah. Kluber, uh, this is four quality starts in a row now for him. But I wouldn't say, like, I'm confident I'm going to get a quality start from him next time. You know, the every every metric of his is just kind of blah. So, fine streaming type, but nothing more, as far as I'm concerned.
0: What's going on with Corbin Burns, Scotty? Another struggle this weekend at the Diamondbacks. He went five and two-thirds. He gave up five runs with five strikeouts. He did have 15 swinging strikes, but over his last four starts, he's got a 7.29 ERA Less than a strikeout per inning. The walks are up. The Babbitt seems a little unlucky. Three forty-four during this time. The swinging strike rate is is down considerably, eleven point nine percent. So, what do you think? What's going on with Corbin Burns?
1: I'm not really sure. I mean, what's most frustrating about it is so it's a four start stretch, right? Yeah, that's the numbers you cited. Seven. Two of
0: them. Yeah, two of them 29. are
1: against the Dodgers. So, okay, you can kind of understand that. But the most recent two were against the. Diamondbacks and the Pirates like Corbin Burns has got to handle those teams right yeah whiffs are still good velocity and spin are still fine I don't see any obvious red flags other than the performance itself so I think it's just one of those situations where something very small is is tripping him up yeah. And it'll go away just as suddenly as it appeared. So I would be hesitant to sit him. I, I did actually sit him for our a playoff matchup between us, Frank, in Dang. the podcast for the People League, just a 16 teamer. It's it's the sort of scenario where not you know, I I, I can't see many people being in the, the same situation I'm in where I'm deciding between Corbin Burns and Max Scherzer. <laughs> So, I, I ended up sitting burns against the Giants, but that may backfire. Mm. I'm going to lose to you. I mean...
0: No, it's not. I'm,
1: I'm Scott, I'm sh-
0: <laughs> any head-to-head playoffs this time of year, anything can happen. So, I just want to throw that out yeah, there.
1: But I'm going to lose. Uh, Bold prediction, I'm going to lose. You have nine starts to my six. This is a head-to-head categories league, not points. Yeah. But still, nine starts to my six. You have good pitchers. And... uh yeah, I think I'm going to lose. Your offense is clearly better than mine, too. Yeah,
0: we'll see. We'll we'll see what we've got. Sunday, pitching standouts part one. Max Freed threw five no-hit innings before uh, his start got uh, rain. The game didn't get rained out, but I think it got shortened because of rain. He was up against the Marlins, uh, and of course, those five no-hit, he had six strikeouts in that one. Frankie Montas had arguably his best start with the Yankees. He was at Tampa Bay. He went five shutout. With seven strikeouts, he had 23 swinging strikes in this start. Nine of them came on the splitter. The splitter has looked much better over his last two starts, so uh, could be getting a strong finish here from Frankie Montas and Miles Michaelis. He was up against the Cubs. He went eight shutout with three strikeouts and in five starts since getting destroyed by the Rockies, Miles Michaelis has a 2.57 ERA. Anything on him, Montas and Freed?
1: Yeah, I love the direction Montas is trending now. The splitter appears to be back. Remember, I pointed it out in his previous start, where the, the final result was bad. But you know, the the you could explain it. You could explain his prior struggles because the, uh, the the splitter clearly wasn't working for him, and he he got it back in his previous start. He he it was still there in this start against the Rays on Sunday, twenty three with total on 93 pitches, nine on 29 on his splitter, which he threw 28% of the time. So that like if, if Montas has that pitch working, he's going to be fine.
0: All right. And we have Sunday pitching standouts. Part two, Carlos Rodon up against the Phillies. He went six shutout with 10 strikeouts. His, 201 strikeouts on the season are the most in the National League and second most in all of baseball behind only Garrett Cole. Jose Urquidy was at the Angels. He went seven shutout with eight strikeouts of his own. And Zach Gallen, who easily could have been an, oh my goodness gracious, standout from the weekend, he extends his scoreless streak. This one was against the Brewers. He goes seven shutout with seven strikeouts. And that's now 41 and a third straight scoreless innings pitched for Zach Gallen. The Major League record all-time is Oral Hershiser with 49 consecutive scoreless innings pitched. I don't know if he'll get there. I think he's got some pretty tough matchups coming up.
1: Uh, think, at Colorado this week. Ooh,
0: yeah, at Coors Field. So that's going to be a big test for uh, Zach Gallen, but anything on him, Arkidi, and Carl Sordon?
1: Yeah, I sat Zach Gallen in another league, another playoff matchup where... It's another team where my pitching staff is ridiculous that you could actually think about sitting Zach Gallant, but didn't feel great about it. If he was starting anywhere other than Colorado, maybe not against the Dodgers either, Uh, then I wouldn't have sat him. So, yeah, Rodon, uh, I wanted to point out for him, remember his velocity was down a couple miles per hour in his previous two starts. The results were good, but we were wondering, eh. See kind of running out of steam here. Velocity was back up in this start against the Phillies. I almost said Eagles, but no, the Phillies. <laughs>
0: We're getting to that point, Scotty. It's yeah, it's tough.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Rodon. Rodon's still looking good.
0: All right. We do have five names from Monday's action, some pitching standouts. Kevin Gosman at the Orioles. He went six and two-thirds, two runs allowed with six strikeouts. Michael Waka, another strong start. He was at Tampa Bay, six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts there. Blake Snell now has four double-digit strikeout starts on the season. He was up against the Diamondbacks, six innings, one run, 10 strikeouts to just one walk. He had 20 swinging strikes in that start. Lance Lynn, guy looks like he's just completely back. He was awesome at the Mariners, seven innings, one unearned run with 11 strikeouts. That's a season high for him. And then Martin Perez, bounced back at the Astros. He went seven innings, one run, five strikeouts there. Lots of names here, Scotty. Martin Perez, Lance Lynn, Blake Snell, Michael Waka, Kevin Galsman.
1: And these pitching performances are most fresh on my mind, so I might have the most to say about them. Okay, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, you say he, he, he appears to be all the way back? Uh, the one thing that was lacking was the velocity was still down like a mile per hour or so from a year ago. It was basically all the way back in this start at Seattle. 93.8 is what he averaged on the fastball last year. It was 94. Okay. Nice. His last seven starts now. Lance Lynn, 206 ERA, 0.8 whip, 10.9K per nine, a 16.2% swinging strike rate. He's... Yeah, Lance Lynn is back. I agree with that. Blake Snell. So, his... since July first, a span of twelve starts, Blake Snell is a two sixty nine ERA, one twenty one hit whip, a little high because there were two starts in there where the walks were out of control. Uh, but two sixty nine ERA, one twenty one whip, thirteen point six K per nine, in a twelve start stretch. Like I said, for Snell, in this particular start against Arizona, he threw his slider. 39% of the time it was responsible for 15 of his 20 whiffs. That's the most he's thrown his slider all year, 39%. Only two other starts did he throw it even 30% of the time. That's a formula for success for Snell. If We saw him really lean on that slider when he got hot last year too. So he might be able to find another gear here if he continues to do that. It's nice to see Martin Perez back down to one walk. Especially at Houston. If you'll remember, seven of his previous nine starts, he issued three walks or more. That was kind of, that kind of seemed to be how Martin Perez was going off the tracks, but looks like he's okay now. And Michael Waka in five starts since returning from the IL 234 ERA, 0.85 whip, 9.7 K per nine. The strikeouts are especially nice to see because even though he was succeeding before the IL stint too, 258 ERA overall. The strikeouts were lacking, and he's been doing a better job missing bats since returning.
0: All right, let's get to some hitting standouts from the long weekend. On Friday, Travis Darnot had a double dong. He is batting .265 with 16 home runs, 52 runs, and 53 RBI. He's been a really, really solid catcher for fantasy this season. That is Travis Darnot. Moving over to Saturday, Gene Segura went three for four with his 13th steal. And since returning from the IL, he's batting 309 with two homers and five steals. Nate Lowe continues his hot streak. He hit his 23rd home run, and he is now batting 302 overall with an 855 OPS. Nate Lowe's OPS now is third best among qualified first basemen this season. It is now better mm. than Pete Alonso. That's how wow. good Nate Lowe has been this season. So,
1: good, good
0: stuff. Yeah,
1: it <laughs> is breakout uh, season. Who and,
0: called that? Uh, I I don't think I had him as a breakout. I think I had him as a breakout last year, actually.
1: Oh, you were hyping him up on the podcast, yeah. at least.
0: Uh, I did. I liked him as a, as like a deeper sleeper, and I have him in a few of those like draft and hold leagues. Uh, NFBC, they have these draft champions. You just set your lineup. Um, there's no waivers or anything, so I do have him in a few of those. So, mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, he's going to be an interesting one to rank for next season. MJ Melendez had a sock and a shoe on Saturday. He is batting just 223, but he does have 15 home runs and one steal. And solid plate discipline. 12.5% walk rate. Definitely like that for Melendez. Ryan Mountcastle had a double dong on Saturday. He's now batting 245 with 21 homers and 73 RBI. Tommy Edmond has four homers over his last eight games. And after a... It must have been like a two-month lull for Tommy Edmond. He has really come roaring back. So uh, you'd love to see that, assuming you have him on your fantasy team. And Tyler O'Neill also looks to be hot once again. Over his last 22 games, he's hitting two sixty-three with seven homers, 17 runs scored, 18 RBI, and three steals. He's making a ton of contact. He has a 14.6% strikeout rate during that time. On Ooh. Sunday, Trevor Story went three for four with a home run. And in eight games since returning, he is hitting 483 with a homer, four doubles, and two steals. Aaron Judge had three more home runs this weekend, uh, coming on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And he is now up to 54 home runs total. On Monday, we had Anthony Santander with a double dong. He's now up to 27 home runs. Very quietly, Santander is likely going to hit 30 home runs this season, which... It's just flown under the radar. He's been very good. Mike Trout yep. had three hits, including his 30th home run, and that is now the 7th 30-homer season in Mike Trout's Hall of Fame career. And Shohei Ohtani had a double dong. He is now up to 32 home runs as well.
1: I just I just wanted to point out, Ryan Mountcastle's double dong on Saturday was notable because it put him over 20 for the season. And you may remember one of my bold predictions coming into the year was that Ryan Mountcastle when it hit 20 home runs. Mm. So technically wrong, but falling, is going to fall well short of the 33 he hit last year. So, you know, directionally, I want to say I was right. Like the gist of what I was saying was right, even if I was a little off on the specifics there.
0: Uh, some bullpen updates from the weekend. For the Diamondbacks on Friday, Ian Kennedy picked up his 10th save for the Red Sox on Saturday. Matt Barnes started the ninth with a two-run lead. He allowed three hits. And then John Schreiber came in and he picked up his sixth save. John Schreiber also picked up the save on Sunday. So he picked up his sixth and his seventh save uh, over the weekend. And I didn't didn't notice how they used Garrett Whitlock in those games, Scott, but...
1: Uh, he worked two innings in one of them, I know. Yeah. The I think the one where Matt Barnes tried to get the save and Schreiber had to bail him out.
0: Do you think Schreiber is the favorite for saves for the Red Sox moving
1: forward? I guess. He's got he's not, good numbers. Not, not a clear favorite. Yeah, yeah, of the three, he has the best numbers.
0: Yeah. 18% roster. He's pretty widely available. For Tampa Bay on Saturday, Jason Adam... Pitched the ninth inning with a two-run lead. He gave up a solo home run to Judge, but picked up his eighth save. And then on Monday, Pete Fairbanks struck out two for his fifth save. And you know, in deeper category leagues, fifteen-team Roto, Fairbanks has been really good since returning from the IL. Uh, you know, they're going to mix and match in Tampa Bay, but I think it'll give you some good ratio strikeouts, and an occasional save there. For the Brewers on Saturday, Taylor Rogers picked up the save in extra innings. And then on Monday, Devin Williams picked up his 10th save. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes picked up two saves this weekend his 18th and his 19th. I think he's up to 81% rostered. So he's back up there and looks like he's once again the closer for the Yankees. For the Phillies on Sunday, David Robertson entered the ninth with the game tied and he gave up a two run walk off homer to Wilmer Flores. And then for the Astros on Monday, Rafael Montero struck out one for his 12th save, though it does sound like Ryan Presley will be back here on Tuesday. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Tuesday. Mitch Keller is up against the Mets, Eduardo Rodriguez at the Angels, Mike Myers versus the Tigers, Jose Quintana versus the Nationals, Kyle Bradish versus the Blue Jays, and Rich Hill at the Rays.
1: Don't love any of them. My top two choices would be Quintana against the Nationals, followed by Erod at the Angels.
0: All right. On Wednesday, we have Ken Waldchuk versus the Braves, Patrick Sandoval versus the Tigers, Bailey Falter versus the Marlins, Trevor Rogers at the Phillies, Domingo Herman versus the Twins, and Dean Kramer versus the Blue Jays.
1: Patrick Sandoval against the Tigers is a good one. Bailey Falter against the Marlins is a good one. Both of them were among my 10 sleeper pitchers entering the week.
0: Team name Tuesday, Scotty. Let's wrap up. We got a bunch in an email from Neil. And we'll start with this one. Holmes, me closer, Rotani dancer. How's my singing? Not nearly as good as Adam, obviously, but.
1: Yeah, I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't no holla back Guriel. Okay, <laughs> Judge Jury and
0: Flexin Cutioner.
1: All right, that that's you know that that has three player names in there, and yet it doesn't feel forced. So I I think that's pretty good.
0: Neil did say in the email he tried to make these as ridiculous as possible. So <laughs> just a heads up, uh, Muncie okay. Python and the Holy Guriel.
1: <sighs> Not great, Bob. <laughs>
0: Art Verlanderle. I don't hate it. They call me Mr. Bombastic. Okay. Yandy Dandy Notebook.
1: What? What I don't <laughs> even get what that's a reference to.
0: I guess it's like handy dandy notebook. Oh, like blues
1: clues. I guess. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh Striders on the Storm. Mm-hmm. Shanty get low, low, low. Or I guess it could be low 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 or low low low. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how you want to go with that one. Uh anyway, here's anyway, here's Quanderwall. Mm. Which I think is supposed to be like Wonderwall, the Oasis. Yeah, album. I think so. But Quanderwall.
1: Any anyway here's. I don't, yeah. I don't I don't get what that's referencing. But I, That sounds like a a more specific reference than just the song.
0: I looked it up. I, I think it's just kind of an internet thing. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Okay. Young, Dunn, and Brock. Which I think is supposed to be Young, Dumb, and Broke.
1: Oh, well, we gosh. Got... No. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, they Yee Me Carolyn. <laughs> I'm booing it because obviously, like, the names just don't fit what he's... The <laughs> The Yemi Carolyn, what?
0: I don't know. Uh, Logie okay. Bear. <laughs> do they actually call Logan Gilbert Logie? <laughs> I don't know. I, mean,
1: I don't know. If they do, I guess it works, but otherwise it's terrible. The Book of Eli Morgan. is not a baseball reference sanctioned nickname, Logie, for Logan Gilbert. <laughs> the Book of Eli Morgan. Okay, I guess if you want to name your team after Eli Morgan.
0: Yeah, I appreciated those. Good job, Neil. This is from an Apple Podcast re- review from Odoya Nine One One. Jin and junas It's simple. I think that works. And Morton, here's a who? Sure. All right, we're gonna wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. <laughs>
1: Original docu-series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Selvi. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession
0: leads to murder.
1: Who did this to your family?
0: You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.